Welcome to Polykill's Off-Kilter Podcast, a show without a topic. Pull up a seat at the bar and share your best story with your hosts and fellow barflies, Jake and Travis. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Off-Kilter 11, Spooky Stories. We're here to share with you some of our own spooky stories, and some of the spooky stories submitted to us. Jake, is Halloween your favorite time of year? It's close. It's very close. I love it. I love the uh, costumes. Yes. Love the candy. Mm. Love the uh, people's acceptance with the ghoulish and the goulash as well. Everyone's fascination with the dead and the macabre. I think it's just a fun fun exercise that uh, you know society doesn't always afford us. It's true. Uh, I wish there was a safe neighborhood where adults could still trick-or-treat. Yeah. But unfortunately, every time I try it, I get shouted off lawns and threatened with guns. Yeah. And uh, it's usually like, March when that happens, or, or April. April, But yeah. still. Still. Wearing the garb, right. dressed up as a Power Ranger, <laughs> and no one respects me enough to give me a Snickers. It's lame. It is really lame. We should start <clears throat> like a, a community that has like adult trick or treating, where like the treats you get are like little airplane bottles, of whiskey, and vibrators. Yeah, maybe some cigarettes or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We should do something like that. I agree. Um, we've talked about starting treats. our own convent before. We have, and uh, I don't see. That. I mean, I think it's a good tax break, and I think it's good. I mean, it's like a timeshare where everyone's just there at the same time. Yeah. And lots of orgies. Anyway, I'm getting <laughs> off track. So, the first story that I want to share is, uh, it's not really a spooky story. It's more of a feel-good Halloween memory story. I like those. This was submitted to us by James at Retro Pixel. Retro. James says, and he admits, he says, My story submission does not focus on the deathly scare or horror of this episode's theme. However, it is a good throwback memory. Feel good. Sorry, let me read that in the words that he put. <laughs> However, it is a feel-good throwback to my childhood years of Halloween that was a great tradition growing up. My entire life until getting married, I lived across the street from a small plaza that hosted a row of businesses ranging from grocery, dentist office, bank, pub, and some odds and ends in between. How this is relevant to making a childhood and family tradition to all youngsters on the block was three glass doors located in the plaza. The local community was cherished by the businesses in this plaza as we all were the most frequent customers being within walking distance. And when Halloween came around, a thank you to those families was a group effort by Square Boys, PBs, and Beckers. I guess that's uh, that's some of the businesses there. I don't know any of those businesses. I don't know what they do. Never heard of one of them. Nor I. Uh, but the deal was, any child wearing a costume between typical evening trick-or-treat hours was given a pizza slice by Square Boys, small fries at PBs, and a tiny pre-filled paper bag of candy from Beckers, which was the convenience store. So that that does sound like a good deal. It does sound like a great deal. I mean, heck, I'd be a I'd be a fat little Power Ranger at that point. No purchase at all was necessary to receive the goods, just simply be in costume. This was always a sought after event from being around five years old to the point of no longer being acceptable to beg for candy at local homes. I would come home from school and simply knew, without even asking mom, what was for dinner, as it was just expected to hit the following order pizza first. Mm. French fry shop next, mm. and lastly, cap the meal with free candy from Beckers. My God. Which also happens to be the very first place I played an arcade cabinet 
and clerks were awesome to even leave out empty milk crates to stand on for players not able to reach the buttons. Some people might have found this write-up memory of free food outing tradition meaningless, but it was a fantastic to know and look forward to every fall along with going out after dark to get oodles of junk food, which was an even better dinner that always, at least in my mind, tasted better and better as each year passed. Huh. It's very you, warm. Uh, it's very warm. It was very, it was very nice. It's a good way to lead off this episode because it's yeah. going to get, it's going to get spookier. It's going to get weird. It's going to get weird in here. Now, if you're watching the video, we are illuminated by a Yankee candle light, which is of the most creepy of candles. Yes. Because um, this one is pumpkin spice, which, yeah. which is great. It's just perfect. It for, is. You know, I didn't, go, I didn't go grab the cucumber melon. Right. I didn't go grab the sandalwood. The sandalwood. Yeah. I did not. I got the pumpkin spice. Exactly. Because I'm basic. Exactly. So, I'm gonna uh, sip my pumpkin spice latte away too. When I think about Halloween's for me, Jake, you know, I didn't live in a neighborhood where I could just walk up down the street. We lived on a highway, mm. and we lived in a very rural part. I'd have to walk a long way <clears throat> to get there. But my parents used to drop me off uh, when I was real small at my cousin's because he lived in more of a uh, neighborhood, you would say. Certainly okay. not suburbia, but there were certainly houses there, even, together. there were houses together. There weren't sidewalks, but right. the houses were at least within walking distance, sure. and the community sort of embraced. You know, trick or treaters being unleashed sure. upon them, so everybody was ready because there was this was the neighborhood within miles of most of the rural kids that we just get dumped off at. Gotcha. And uh, you know, everybody had their their spooky stuff out in the yard and all that stuff. And I remember one time I was wearing I don't even know I didn't go all out for mm. Halloween mm. usually. Um, I never I, I kind of knew growing up not to ask for much, so I didn't ever ask for a fancy costume or anything like that. But my cousin had this extra like ninja mask. You know what I'm talking about? I don't even know what you call it, but it's kind of like it's almost like a black pantyhose kind of thing. You just, okay. I can see out of it, but people can't see my face. Okay. And I just wore all gotcha. black, gotcha. and I was just a ninja. Right. You know, just a little ninja. And, uh, but I could, I could really not see shit. <laughs> and, uh, I could see a little bit. If it was up close, I could see it. And I remember we're walking, uh, down the street to get to some trick or treaters. Got my, got my pumpkin, little sack. Uh, uh, sack. You yeah. Know? It's a, it's a plastic, plastic pumpkin. pumpkin. Sack. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, just toting it along. And, uh, from behind me, uh, my cousin goes, Hey, watch out for that bush. And I said, What bush? About the time I barreled through this thorny bramble bush. And I was in it for a long time. All of my costume, everything got ripped. They were dragging me out of it, picking. I mean, we were laughing, but yeah. it had to get thorns out of me and the, and all that stuff. So I was probably scarier when I walked up to the next house because yeah. I looked like a ninja that had been beaten within an inch of his life. <laughs> Exactly, but that's that's a fun memory for me that's in good. terms of trick or treating. Did that's you trick or treat much? Was that didn't, a thing? You didn't. Didn't. Um, for a twofold reason. One, my, my parents were extremely religious, uh, so that you know Halloween growing up was the, the devil's ho- you know, holiday. So did that did that increase your fascination with it though? Uh, not at first. Mm. No, I mean I was very uh, uh, very obedient child, so I, I I was like, okay, they say it's bad, it's bad. But then you know once I moved out and realized that it's just um, mostly just a lot of fun. Uh, my fascination grew. Um, I think probably my best Halloween costume memory uh, that I that I have is um, I, I worked at a, a call center for a telecommunications company, who shall remain nameless. Uh, but anyway, so I was working at Dish, and uh, I was on a team of, of several people. Uh, we were kind of a small team of maybe seven, um, and we did quality assurance on phone calls. And um, there was a couple of people who were like, hey, we should do a theme uh, costume thing for our Halloween event where we all as a team dress up in the same theme. And I was like, okay, this sounds awful. Uh, (laughs) And so the the leading vote uh, was that we do Disney. 
and oh. and I was I was disappointed. Yeah, you know, very disappointed. Not that there isn't a wealth of cool characters in the Disney universe, but it's just not it felt really a little Halloween theme. Not really you know? Halloween. Yeah, I was like, yeah, come on. Um, so we ended up with a Cinderella and a Prince Charming and uh, an Aladdin and <clears throat> several other things. But I was like, you know, let me let me dig into the mythology of Disney and see what I can do that's that's scary. You know, actually something spooky. And I didn't have to dig too far. Cryogenic Walt Disney. No, that's a good one. Nah. But but no, uh, I went back to Fantasia. So there's a segment in Fantasia called Night on Bald Mountain. I don't know if you're familiar with the film or the segment. I'm, I'm not. So explain. So it's essentially the, 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 where everything goes to hell, quite literally. And there's this large winged demon on Bald Mountain called Chernabog. Hmm. And uh, I was like, that's Disney. I will do that. So he's like this really tall, imposing uh, figure that's all black and gray, and he has like these glowing yellow eyes. I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be that guy. So uh, Amy and I, my wife and I, we uh, spent an evening or two coming up with a costume. So I wore this long black robe. I took this this uh, wire mesh and like formed the head uh, of Turnabog, which is like this big face with horns, and uh, cut some... Uh, spaced out for the eyes, and then just like it was like yellow mesh, so mm. it was like uh, right. yellow eyes. Were you able to see a bush? I could see, I could see, I could see. Okay, okay, not great. I could see okay. Um, and then we made these giant like styrofoam uh, wings for me that were like seven feet wow. in uh, in wingspan. So the day comes when the Halloween event is to is to begin. So I show up, carry my wings in. I don't have my you know my hood on or anything. I just got like my eyes blacked. You know, in case they showed. So, like, I had, like, black paint around my eyes. Right. And um, so the, the Halloween event was to bring in public or people's families or whatever. And, like, we as the employees were to, like, feed them candy or, or whatever. So it was, like, my turn to go assist with this. So I'm full-on demon at this point. <laughs> yes. And, uh, like, the kids were running away from my table. <laughs> she got me! They were crying. <laughs> Yeah. Um, they were win. terrified. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I, I had a blast with it. I was like, fuck yeah, scared some people. And, <laughs> That's awesome. uh, and then the, fun- the funniest part about this is, like, next, the following April, we had an Easter event. Uh, right? So you reused the costume. I almost did. <laughs> but, no, the funny thing is, is, like, people were coming through the line because I, I helped out for the Easter event, too. We did basically the same thing, except it was more focused on, uh, you know, like more positive role models, I guess. Um and uh, people were saying, like, I, I had to drag my kid in here because they like, I don't want to go back to where the big bad is, mommy. Wow. <laughs> it's like six months later, they're still terrified. <laughs> that's scarred awesome. some kids. It scarred some kids. So that's that's, that's one of my greatest Halloween memories. Kid, they're, they're better for it, yeah. you know, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That yeah. Fine. I guess my, my best costume doesn't rival that. I never dressed up as anything too, too spooky. But uh, yeah. a few years ago, a buddy and I uh, just... We we dressed all dapper, got some gold chains and some sunglasses, nice. and attached boxes to our waists, and we were the dick in the box, <laughs> in the box fellas. Yeah. And we just ran around, uh, kind of not night night at the rocks, burying it, you know, sort Perfect. of meshing the two uh, together. It was a lot of fun. People enjoyed it. All right, so that takes me to uh, the next the next uh, tale that we have. Uh, this was from uh, Dean, around underscore two underscore gaming oh, there on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, Dean, of course, submitted a story to us last week. So we thank you again, Dean, for submitting again. Uh, last week was about nature encounters, which was a scary story in was, and of itself. It was, so, it was quite unnerving. Um, here, is, uh, here is Dean's submission. 
He says, uh, growing up here in the Canadian Rockies, demon encounters have always been synonymous with daily life. Opening the front door on my way to school, only to confront a herd of ghouls on the front lawn. Early morning meetings at the office, but kept awake at night from the pack of specters just outside the window. Barbecuing outside, wondering what creature those eyes belong to, staring back at you from just beyond the tree line. It's always just been the norm. But let's not mistake familiarity with comfort. Oh, but monsters are so cute and furry, you might say. There's nothing cute about an 800-pound mass charging towards you with claws as long as your fingers and a mouth that fits perfectly around your this, tiny head. This, this, but feels, hey, hmm? this feels somewhat familiar. Oh, why, why, would, why, do you think, why do you say that? Uh, Have just, you experienced this yourself? No, oh. not. It just oh. sounds kind of like the... The bear story? A little. No, it's different because he's talking about ghouls and, and things like that. So he's like, in 28 years, I've had countless spook encounters, but thankfully none that required me to fight back. It happens, though. Every year, more and more attacks are here in the park. You know, you might be onto something. I think Dean might have might have changed. I think you just did a, a some of the place. Let me let me scroll down and see if I it can see. Um, walking back to work late. Um, regular encounters with local three-legged populace. I don't know what that was going. Uh, the devil. Um, yeah, this might be. You're right. I think Dean might have pulled one over on us here. Uh. Panicked. I paced quickly through the cul-de-sac. No monsters, just trees. Okay. Um, good one, Dean. So if, nice. you, if you listen to the the bear attack story from last episode, <laughs> Dean has cleverly gone through and changed all of the words to <laughs> ghouls and spooks and ghosts and ghosts. Uh, for reference, we'll put it in the video. There's my costume from that week. Oh, that, that is week. frightening, indeed. Yes, yeah. uh, that is a big bad. You could just stand on sidewalks around the nation and uh, yeah. see if you get attacked. No, see if you get shot by uh, no. by easily scared rednecks. <laughs> yeah, this one. That was cool. Good so, story, though, Dean. We played along with Dean. All right, so uh, we, we, what do you want to do next? Do you want to be spooked? Yeah, well, let's, let's do something a little unexplained. A little unexplained. I'll, uh, I'll read the next entry. Go for it. Let's uh, see what we got. And this is from our buddy Brian at Hokey Briz. Come on now, Briz. All right, so uh, the story begins thusly. Once, when I was about 10 years old, I had an unexplained experience. Nothing really scary, but just weird. At my dad's house, if you wanted to get to the family room, you had to walk through the living room. In the living room, by a large window on the front of the house, there was a table with various pictures sitting on top in two rows. One as a picture of my dad's restored 1938 Chevy that we just called the 38. Now, my stepsister and I were home alone one Saturday, and we had just grabbed some snacks from the kitchen and made our way to the family room. I got one foot into the family room when we heard something drop behind us. We turned and saw a picture frame lying face down in the middle of the floor, a good two feet from the table. I went and picked it up and noticed it was a picture of the 38. I then looked up at the table and saw the empty spot where it usually sits in the back row of pictures, with the frame that sits in front of it still standing. We spent about 15 minutes trying to figure out how it made it to the middle of the floor on its own. We checked to see if the window was open. It wasn't. If the table was wobbly, it wasn't, and so on. We couldn't think of any rational explanation for it. We agreed that it was weird, but not worth missing our cartoons over, so we eventually just let it go. To this day, I can't think of a good explanation of what happened. Wow. That's that's pretty good. I mean, he he, he did all the, the routine checks you would do yeah. to see that it wasn't, uh, you know, just a yeah. part of physics. Right. That's crazy. 
It, it leapt over. It leapt. Uh, yeah, it hurtled. I, it did. That's there's probably a haint. What do you think? There's probably some haint. Ba- based on the evidence I have before me, I have to declare uh, based on that story alone goes to real. Yeah. You know, picture that, frames don't jump. They don't. And then uh, cars don't. You know, cars. I don't, pictures of cars don't jump. I wonder if uh, I wonder if the car itself has any any history. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Brian should investigate. Maybe it was uh, owned yeah. by some. Yeah, you know, Alistair Crowley or something. Yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah. it's an older vehicle. It could have some, some spook history yeah. about it, you know? That's pretty neat. Yeah. So unexplained, huh? Very neat. Um, all right. Well, that kind of t- that kind of reminds me of, of a story of my own. Okay. Believe it or not. Oh, sure. Uh, sure like. Yeah, I have one that um, does have a bit of unexplainedness to it, and this fits the vibe of Brian's. Uh, you know, I, I wrote it down here so that I could better better describe it. You know, without all the ums and hums and alls and all that. So, mm, okay. so I'll, I'll dive into it here. <clears throat> so, so what you're saying is we're not going to hear a um one. You, you probably will. Okay. I'm, I'm very <laughs> poor at speaking. <laughs> About five years ago, I was living on my own in an old parsonage adjacent to a neighboring church. I'm not at all a religious person, but the church was looking for renters at a time when I was trying to escape a cockroach-infested apartment in a rough part of downtown. The rent was a good deal. It was on the cusp of the country, surrounded by farms, had a great view and nice yard. A single story with basement, ranch-style brick home, with plenty of room for a bachelor and his cat. Again, I'm not at all spiritual or religious, so despite it being a parsonage just feet away from a church, I never once entered the church, nor did I suspect the home would possess any weird energies or vibes different that from that of any ordinary home. I was right on that front, as nothing eerie or upsetting occurred inside the home. No noises, bumps in the night, no strange sightings or visions. However, one night, one early morning rather, a strange thing did occur. See, the house had a back door that possessed a view of a nearby farm. Quite beautiful view, with just cows and the occasional critter walking by the fence that was just 20 feet from the back door. Unfortunately, there was no back porch, so I I didn't spend much time out there, as I would have... You know, if, if there was a back porch, I'd have probably sat out there more often reading books or whatever. So the door usually stayed shut and locked, especially during the week. On the weekends, I might pull a lawn chair out to read a book and let the cat snoop around the backyard, something I had to stop doing eventually because he ran away, but that's a whole different story. Uh, he did come back. But um, but anytime that door opened, the cat would jump out of it and parade around the outside until I got him back in. You know, So it wasn't like I could just leave the door open and the cat wouldn't care. He's always outside when the door's open. Right. But I didn't have it open often. So this all happened on a weekday, not a weekend. Not a time in which I would have ever opened the door. So it was also worth noting that I'm a light sleeper. I'm hard to get to sleep, and I can wake up due to slight changes in temperature, small knocks, bumps, clings, but none of that had ever startled me awake in this home, and I'd been there for over a year. My cat usually would cuddle with me by sleeping just to my side, and occasionally we'd be man-cat spooning. You know, it's cute, we're adorable. Uh, sometimes, though, he would jump off the bed if he wanted to, do other cat stuff, and uh, I'd gotten used to it, so eventually that stopped kind of waking me up. Okay. So I was used to him kind of coming and going, and then get to where it didn't bother me or, or wake me. His nighttime activities. Whatever cats do at night. Yeah. I don't know. Go look out the window, use the bathroom, whatever. Exactly. So, however, on this night I wake up. I look at the clock, as one does when suddenly woken, and it was just a shade after 4 a.m. Mm. I wasn't sure, and I'm still not sure why I woke up then, but something wasn't right. I tried to squint and stare down the dark hallway leading to the bedroom as I slept with the door open so that Ralph, the cat, could come and go in the night, but I didn't see anything, and Ralph wasn't in the room. Assuming he had done something to wake me, I called for him. I thought maybe he did jump off the bed or something, or maybe he knocked something off. I wasn't sure why I was awake, so I called for him. 
He usually came when I called for him, but he did not. The circumstances were benign. I was simply awoken, and my cat wasn't in the room. Not a big deal. Right. This could have happened any given night. But I had a weird feeling that something or someone was also in the house. I don't know why. I just had this weird feeling that... I don't. I can't explain it. I was just like, something isn't right. There's mm. something... It's like when you walk into a room and the TV's on, and you know. You know what I mean? You kind of yeah. can like hear... It kind of felt like that. And so, I kind of started to scare myself. being Because I'm sure. living alone in this old house, and I'm like... Well, what could it possibly be? And I didn't think, it's not a ghost. I immediately, like, someone's in my house. Right, you have an intruder. Yes. Um, so I held my breath and tried to listen intently for any bumps, floor creaks, or knocks. You know how you do, like, mm. get really quiet. Try to silence your own heart. Yeah. But all I could hear was my heartbeat. Yeah. I didn't hear anything else. Finally, I decided after some time that it was nothing. If it were someone, I would have heard or seen them by now. The house wasn't that large. It was old. The floors creaked. Somebody would have shifted their weight. I would have heard something move. So I called for Ralph again, and he still didn't come. So curious, I finally got to my feet and wandered through the house. Ralph! Ralph! I get to the kitchen where the back door is to find not only the back door open, but also the storm door was propped slightly open using the hydraulic prop. My heart sank, and I quickly turned the light on and looked around the room. Nothing was amiss. No one was there. I peered outside, assuming the cat's probably ran out the door since it's now that it's open. He can't unlock doors, and he can't prop them open. Prop them open. So, so it was strange. So I peered outside, and I can see Ralph about 100 yards away. It's dark. It's 4 a.m., but the moonlight was bright enough that I could see the white of his coloration out in the distance. And so I called for him, and he waddled back to me. He was much fatter then. He waddled back to me. It took forever. It was kind of cute. But scared that someone or something might still be in the home, I look for something to defend myself and find nothing blunt. So I grab a knife from the kitchen and start opening and turning on all the lights in the house while loudly announcing that I'm coming. As you may guess, I found nothing. To this day, I don't know what I don't know what woke me. I do not know why my back door was unlocked, much less open, and the storm door propped open at 4 a.m. I would have noticed before bed. It was right on the living room, right off the hallway. I would have never left it open for fear that the cat would get out. And because he did go to bed with me and wasn't outside, it was evidently closed when I went to bed. And because the cat was still not too far from the house, I do not think it was open very long. Again, nothing was missing and nothing was left. What the fuck was that? Dude... What what was it, dude? What was in my house? Why was the back door open? Wide open. I mean, like the 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 back door itself was like all the way open, and the storm door was propped open like just a crack for a cat to get through. Mm-hmm. And like the the little slider, you know, that keeps the storm door from shutting all the way was over just enough to keep it from from touching. It was open. It was it was wild. That is very wild. That is very unnerving. Yes. Did I didn't go back to sleep. I imagine not. I, clo- I shut the door and just kind of turned on all the lights in the house and kind of watched TV. And, yeah. and Rocked back and forth. was very, you know... <laughs> Anxious. Yeah. I mean, looked outside. Couldn't see any, you know... I was trying to be true crime detective looking for... Because the dew on the grass was looking for wet footprints on the doorstep. And I didn't see anything. I don't know why it was open. Now, it's very possible that maybe I did have a lapse. And I just, you know, being very reasonable and logical, it makes sense that maybe I went outside for something and propped that door open before I went to bed, but it doesn't make sense that the cat was not out there before. Right, right, right. yeah. Because that, that's an attraction to a cat, right? Yeah, I mean, you open up the door now, he jolts. Yeah. He bolts. In the same house, he ran away for three weeks because he, he got out because we were carrying groceries in. And uh, we called for him, but he didn't want to come back, and he ended up getting lost. Mm-hmm. And eventually came back. So I don't think the door being open for, you know, however many hours I was asleep, I don't think he would have still been, still been or even that close to the house. Mm. He was only a few a few yards a few away. Yards. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. It's very bizarre. Yes. yes. I'm glad you agree. No, I yeah, agree. 
very creepy. Yeah, so very like much like Brian's story, it's just you don't know. It's unexplained. It's completely right. unexplained. And you know the you know and this is not me trying to impose my worldview on some any anyone, but I think it's at, it, at that point you have to just relegate it to unexplained and not not jump to conclusions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, I mean, it is unexplainable. Which makes it creepy in and of itself. The I, fact that it's unexplained. I mean, additionally, my own behavior, had I been the one responsible for the door, still an unexplained. Right. Like, why would I have done that? Why would you sleepwalk and do that? Why would you just yeah. leave the door open and forget about it, etc.? Yeah, it made no sense. Uh, yeah. I can't remember what time of year it was, though. That's a problem. Okay. Because I, I could have said, you know, if it were a cold month, there's no way. Sure. Because I would have never sure. left the door open for any reason. Yeah. If it were in the summer, maybe I, I'd propped it open for a bit to let the cat out and just completely forgot. I don't think I would have, but... Yeah. I don't know. Crazy time. I don't know. Crazy. Yeah, you got anything like that? Or you, should we move on to another spooker? Or do, uh, you, do we want uh, something lighthearted? Where do you want to move on from this? Uh, I, you know, why don't we do something a little lighthearted? I have I have the thing for you. You have the cure. I have a submission. Okay. Uh, i got to dig it up here real fast. Because not, 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 like, uh, not to like toot my own horn, but what I've got is pretty damn creepy. Okay. And, and, uh, we'll save it for last then. We, well, I mean, maybe. I mean, I have one more, but yours is probably going to be creepier. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that mine was actually the my next one is creepier than what I just shared. Spoiler okay. alert. But, okay. Um, but maybe I don't know. More okay. of a mystery than creepy. Okay, here we go. Okay. This one is submitted by uh, JD over at Play and Listen. Mm, JD, my man, playing Zelda. Funny guy. Here we go. Yeah. When I was a sophomore or senior, <laughs> I like how he doesn't know if it was. <laughs> I was definitely wasn't a junior. S. I was not a junior, and it started with an S. Started with an S. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, my dad took me and my brother to visit family in France. My dad's parents divorced when he was young, and his stepdad uh, took a job overseas. Eventually, they all moved back to the States, but my aunt stayed and started a family, so we were going to see them. Two of my cousins were about the same age as me, so you could imagine the kind of trouble we got into. At that point, I hadn't been a big drinker or pot smoker. I'd probably tried smoking here and there, so I wasn't totally opposed to it, but didn't really enjoy it that much at that point either. Well, my cousin asked if I wanted to smoke some hash with her and her boyfriend and go around, and they'd show me the little city town they lived in uh, near Normandy. Basically, the way you might picture Normandy in your head, with huge hedges and fog and old castles and buildings, is exactly how it was. Absolutely beautiful and peaceful, but a bit creepy as well. Anyway... Back to teenage mischief. I was there for a week, and we had smoked a bit of the wheat and hash here and there and walked around and explored, and it was actually a lot of fun. One day, my cousin decided she wanted to bring me to her English class at school and show me what their school was like. I don't really remember wanting to do that, but I think my dad insisted. So one morning, I got up and went to school with her, and of course, before we went, before we went in, my cousin um, and myself... And about 10 of her friends decided it was a good time to smoke up again. I highly discouraged smoking weed before school. We went into the school We went into the school after my cousin had me wait outside the office. She returned a few minutes later saying that since we didn't call ahead, they didn't get me a guest pass, so I wasn't allowed in the school. My cousin said, it's okay, I'll call mom and your dad and have them pick you up. Just go outside and kill an hour or so, they'll, they'll pick you up, don't worry about it. So here I was, out of my mind waiting outside the school, trying to kill some time. I waited about an hour or so before I got bored as hell and decided to take a walk and look around. It was a really, really foggy day in November, and I couldn't really see that far ahead of me, but I made my way to a neighborhood and started walking down the little cobblestone sidewalk when this guy in his yard had a nasty-looking dog on a leash and started screaming at me, and I believe saying, You can't be here! Get the hell out! 
Before I could even process the situation, he kind of paused and looked at me and let go of the dog on his leash. I remember saying to myself, oh, shit, and running as fast as I could. I don't know how, but I outran the dog, or at least ran far enough for the... Uh, ran far enough or long enough for it to lose interest. After I caught my breath, I realized I had been walking around for another hour and a half and was totally lost. I started panicking a little bit. I didn't have a cell phone, and I was lost in a foreign country in the fog with a dog trying to kill me. I finally got back towards some kind of civilization and realized I was in some ancient graveyard with huge gargoyles and tombstones with all sorts of scary shit depicted on them. At that point, I had accepted that I was probably dead. I made one last effort to find my way back to the school, and when I got to the road, my aunt and dad pulled up and were laughing hysterically. I asked them what was so funny, and they said they had been following me walking around in circles for 45 minutes and wanted to see if I could find my way back to the school. What a bunch of dicks. Anyway, it's not the greatest story in and of itself, but I think when you imagine yourself in that situation, you can get the idea of how intense that would be. By the way, I don't partake in anything now with the exception of the occasional drink once or twice every month. So, pretty pretty funny. That's a great story. I love it. I love it. I, I, you really know, it's just the, the comedy of someone being kind of out of their mind and getting into shenanigans right. is, is funny. And no one was hurt. Yes. So it's a great story. Yes. It's a great story. And the fact that his aunt and dad were following him, watching him just kind of wander in circles aimlessly, trying to find his way back That's in the fog. entertaining as hell. Ah, it's so good. I love that story so much. Thank you, JD. That was that's probably one of my favorites. Submit more often. That was good. You have any you have any stories about getting uh, lost that scared you? Whether or not you were uh, you know mind <laughs> altered? <you're> yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't really. No. I you know I'm I'm a very risk averse person, mm-hmm. which is probably why I've never smoked pot or smoked a cigarette. Never even had a cigarette. I'm very just. I don't know. You know, it's 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 weird because you know I'll I'll get drunk occasionally. Uh, Which is far more dangerous far than those other two things. <laughs> uh, but I just don't. Um, I, I think my my uh, my risk averse nature has kept me out of those situations. Right. I just I don't. I've never found myself terribly often in a in a, in a place where I felt, um, I guess, out of control or uncomfortable or I, yeah. I don't. I have never done that. I you know I, I sort of wear a badge of being risk averse as well, but. When I'm alone, I find myself, I find the, the curiosity in me is almost too much for me to control. Mm-hmm. For instance, when I was in New York, that when I got really drunk, I got, oh. you know, I, I oh, yeah, that's got, cool, yeah. but even this past week I was in Philadelphia oh, shit. and, uh, you know, now I, with the advent of Uber, um, I was able to go anywhere I wanted at any time I wanted to. Oh, and, yeah. uh, no matter what condition I was in. So, exactly. so I was just, you know, I would pick a bar out on the map and, and Uber to it and then just kind of explore and uh, there were some some scenarios where I got pretty lost, and I was in some pretty weird places. And uh, I was dressed fairly nice for a conference, so I was mm. very out of place, mm. pretty much a target. And the minute that I started getting the willies, and yeah. like people starting to look at me weird, and like like talking to their other buddies about it, if I can hit the Uber up immediately yes. and just transport to another part of the city, I did that like five or six times. It was pretty cool. That's nice. Yeah, it was 
pretty hammered by the end of it, and somehow I only spent I still I spent less than a hundred dollars had an adventure. You know, that's what you want. There you go. And I uh, wasn't Perfect. stabbed, and uh, but I probably would have never been stabbed. It's just a lot of it's in your head. True. I was just walking around, and you know, you go there's you get a little hats with sentences. You see a lot of graffiti and some some businesses that are just not even businesses anymore. They're just rundown buildings with right. boarded up doors. And there's something and, about the verticality of a city that's unnerving too. Yeah, it's very claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and again, not knowing like I without the map or without Uber uh, telling me exactly where my hotel was. I mean, there's no way I'm finding my way back on foot. Yeah. So I need a charged phone and I need money yes. to get home. That's all I needed. But you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So um, so yeah, that's that doesn't. Uh, I wasn't exactly as lost and, and baked in Normandy as our friend JD was, but still yet excellent. Uh, where, where do you want to go now? Uh, what, what do we got left for as far as user submissions? User, user submission. Submissions. We have a listener submissions, not user submissions. Uh, right. We have a we have a big old creeper from Miles. Let's do that one. Let's do that one. All right. Here we go. Been been talking a lot. Gotta gotta get the saliva rolling real good. You want me to read it? Fuck off. I got this. Right. Miles Miles of flock of nerds. He says, this is a long one. Feel free to edit it, but we don't do that shit. We don't edit shit. We don't edit shit. Listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's all shit. It ain't edited a bit. So, <clears throat> Miles writes. That out or... he... No, we... no <laughs> just just let it go. Uh, Miles is titled, The Stalker, A True Story. He's, mm-hmm. he's channeling his, his Anne Rule here. Yeah, She's a true crime novelist. Understand. She's very good. Um, my story takes place... <clears throat> My story takes place during summer vacation, when I was about 15 years old. I was hanging out with some friends one evening, and we decided to embark on a 20-minute walk to the local 7-Eleven for Slurpees. Not starting out scary, starting out pretty good. Yes, Slurpees are this is good, good on vacation. Oh, very good. Uh, Any time of year. The walk there was uneventful, but as we entered the 7-Eleven, I noticed a shadowy figure staring directly at us from across the street. Mm. I didn't think too much of it at the time, as the 7-Eleven had a Street Fighter III third strike. One of the best arcade games ever made. Mm. So it's like, ah, shattered figure. But arcade game. Arcade arcade game over here. The quarters ran dry and we headed back home with Slurpees in tow. After about five minutes of walking, I felt that uneasy sense of being watched. I turned around. I saw the shadowy figure again, walking slowly in the same direction as us. It's all good, I thought. No reason to think we were being followed. Yet. We cut across a schoolyard to get back to our neighborhood when I noticed him again. This time I could see him. He was closer now. He was a white male with a buzz cut, and he was definitely following us. Probably Timothy McVeigh. Mm-hmm. I told my friends, but we made our way past past a crosswalk. But when we made our way past a crosswalk, he turned. They probably thought I was crazy. We got really close to my apartment, and I was a lot more relaxed. It was just my imagination playing tricks on me. I thought. One of my friends told a joke. I wish I could remember what it was now, and we all burst out laughing. When the chuckles died, we heard from behind us, <laughs> and we all turned around to see this guy in his 30s or 40s that had been following us the entire time. He laughed. The laughter suddenly halted. Uh, halted. I'm sorry. The laughter suddenly halted, and he gave us a serious look with eyes that suggested he wasn't very well adjusted. We faced forward and began walking fast, heading straight for my place. <laughs> he laughed again and abruptly stopped. He was so close at this point that he was actually touching the back of one of my friends. Get away, man, my friend shouted. <laughs> the stranger mimicked us again. Now, I haven't mentioned any of my friends' names up to this point because I didn't want the story to get confusing. But now I need to tell you about just one of my friends, Sagu. 
Sagu had Coke bottle glasses, always wore the same NWO wrestling t-shirt, and had some difficulty with his speech. He'd stammer and often repeat himself several times. Most importantly, Sagu was the slowest walker of the group. We were about to reach my apartment, and sensing that he was going to lose us, the determined stranger blocked Sagu. Since Sagu was the straggler, the stranger cornered him to a gate and wouldn't let him join us. By the time I noticed, I was basically in the lobby of my apartment with my other two friends. We didn't know where Sagu went until we looked outside the window and saw him in a private confrontation with our assailant. He's fine. He can take care of himself, I said, to give us all an out. I mean, people die all the time, right? Maybe this was just his time to go. Despite my cowardice, we went back outside and confronted the stranger in unison. Fuck off, dude! Get the fuck out of here! We shouted. Then he smiled. He revealed his teeth to us. They were all filed to sharp points into fangs. We didn't know how to react. We were frozen in place. His fangs were jagged and uneven. His mouth looked like a shark's. Then the stranger ran. He ran faster than I have seen a human move. He ran down the driveway and out into the city. Was it PCP? Crack? Was he a ghoul? We could only guess. But we never saw him again. Still to this day, I cannot get this image out of my head. Miles. Damn. That's creepy. That's real creepy. That's creepy, man. That's real creepy, Miles. Of course I do. Jeez, yeah. How is he doing? I'm stammering. I hope he's okay. Stammering. Uh, wet in the pants. Yeah. I'm sure of it. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure there was pee-pee pants. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame him. That's creepy. I, I'm not one for confrontation, but if someone unveils fangs to me, I don't know what my fight-or-flight response is at that point. Yeah. I mean, my, my first response is stick to the heart, but... Yeah, well, you know, I, I very I diffuse a lot of issues that I face with humor. Yes. I would have probably made some comment about the teeth, just to see how, like, does he get humor? Right. It's like, hey, man, what do you, what's going on with those teeth? I don't know. I It would have been hard in the moment, yeah. you know, while pissing myself to, right. to have been effectively uh, a diffuser. I don't know. I don't know, man. That's... That's creepy as hell. That is creepy. Good story, Miles. It is a very good story. I'm glad you all survived. Yeah. I'm glad you all went out there together. I mean, you know, you know safety numbers, right? Here's another thing, though, Miles. Um... He knows where you live now. I don't know if you've moved since then. I hope he's moved. He watched you go into your apartment building yeah. and watched you come back out. Oh, don't don't put this in Miles' brain. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Surely saying. he's moved. I would hope. Uh, I would yeah. hope. Uh, yeah. But he got followed all the way to where he lives. That's creepy, man. That's real oh. creepy. That reminds me of a story that I didn't write down. Okay. And I was actually going to save this if we did another another topic about, uh, I guess, almost scary stories, but, like, more real-life scary stories, you know okay, what I mean? Okay, like, like... Like, this doesn't involve... Halloween stuff, just scary stuff. Yeah, this doesn't involve anything unexplained. This is just, like, a life event. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay, sure. When I was, um, probably 11 or 12, um, I don't know where my dad was. He usually went to, to high school football games with me, but this was a playoff game, uh, in high school football, so it, it happened on a Saturday, and I really wanted to go. And my dad didn't want to go, and my and my mom didn't want to go. But my sister said that she would take me and drop me off. And to to tell you what, you know, the times I was supposed to walk across the street afterward to the payphone and call them when the right. game was over, and they would come by and get me. I get you. Yes. Now the school is within sight of this uh, payphone. Payphone. payphone is actually in front of a family dollar. Okay. Okay. Uh, I have That's my quarters. Conduct. I have yeah. plenty of quarters. I'm ready to go. And there's also an arcade machine uh, or arcade. Uh, there's a th- movie theater right next door, so, so I can make the call, make go the play call. a game until they get there. Right. Perfect. Um, and so 
I, I go out there and uh, finish, walk across the street. I'm 11. It's it's a highway, but there's crosswalks or whatever. I'm a pretty good, pretty smart kid. They trust me to do this. I go. I call my sister. She says, okay, I'll be there in a few minutes. And um, I use the remaining quarters on a few of the uh, the machines. Sure. And then deciding that it's probably time for her to show up, I, I walk out down the sidewalk and into the family dollar where I can look out the window and just to see if she shows up because it's kind of cold. It's November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think I get bored in there. Or the, a kid comes in that I go to school with that just annoy the shit out of me. Uh, so I was like, Tommy. Ah. Hey, Tommy. Justin. Sure. I was like, fucking Justin. Was, yeah. And he yeah. comes up and he's talking to me. He wants me to buy him shit. I'm like, I don't have any money, dude. Like, I don't, go talk to your mom. So I, I'm fed up with him. I just walk outside and just lean up against the wall waiting. And this car pulls up. Yeah. And it's this dude. He has really thick glasses and a mustache. I mean, he looks like every mugshot I've ever seen. Sure. He's in this old white beat up like '80s style car, just like a I don't even know. I don't Crown know cars Victoria. that well. He's huge. It's okay. this huge car. It's, okay. it's it's easily ten or fifteen years old in 1995. Or okay. 96. Okay. It's an old vehicle. And his wife is is next to him, and he's yelling at his kids in the back seat. And he has his window down. And I'm just kind of standing there, like, not really giving them attention, just looking ahead because they're kind of making me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And the guy rolls down the window, looks at me, and goes, Hey, boy, won't you come over here for a minute? I was like, I, I don't really want to. He goes, I said, come over here right now. I was like, I don't, I don't fucking want to. And <laughs> I didn't say fucking, but I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was basically just like, I was told <clears throat> never to do this, so I'm not yeah, going to do it. Doing. He goes, if you don't come over here right now, I'm going to pull up my gun and fucking shoot you. And I was like, this is, is not good. Whoa. So I was like, uh, turn and I walk into the family dollar. Yeah, smart. And the lady at the counter is, is she's like on on this like elevated raised thing. Yeah. And she's checking out these other people that are buying things. And I, I'm a scared little boy. And I walk yeah. up and I interrupt her. I'm like, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. And everyone's like, why do you want your little shit? And I'm like, and I, I said it loud enough for like other people in the store to hear me. I was like, a man outside told me to come to his car and that he would shoot me if I did not. And she was like, which guy? And I pointed, and he wasn't in the car anymore. Uh, and I was like, I don't know where he went, but he was in. The, and then uh, she goes, okay, well, just just stand right here and, and don't go anywhere. And, and I guess so she could watch me. And so I was looking out the window for my sister and kind of looking around, and I feel a peck on my shoulder. Oh, and man. I turn around, and it's that dude. Oh, and he goes, God. you know I was just playing with you, right? I was like, I don't know. And I looked at her. I was like, ma'am, fucking. And she was like, sir, it just, is it, is, that, is this your kid? And I was like, no, it's not. Don't ask him that shit. No, it's not. Yeah. And so uh, she, she, like, I don't know what happened. She, like, asked him to leave or something like that. But anyway, my buddy Justin comes up. And he's like, hey, man, what's going on? Were you, I heard you over here yelling about stuff. And I told him. And he's like, I'll keep an eye out on him. And the guy was, like, just stalking me in the store. Just like. Like, looking over shit. And finally, my sister pulled up, and I just sprinted out of the store and got in the car and left. That's nuts. And so, like, a year later, I would, I saw that dude, like, pumping gas at, like, an Exxon. Mm-hmm. And my dad was there. And my dad had walked in to, like, pay. Okay. And uh, I swear to God, that dude fucking locked eyes with me, and it felt like he knew that I was the same uh, kid. It was it was so creepy. Did you tell your dad about that? I did. But the guy left before my dad came back out. Okay, okay. And, uh, I mean, nothing my dad could do. He was like, well, sure. yeah. you know, sorry, that sucks. But the car was like very recognizable because okay. it was this old, it was this white, beat up car with a brown top, and it gotcha. just. And we called the cops, and and they they were like, "Yeah, we've had some issues with that family." It's like, "Is there anything we can do?" He's like, "Nah, not really." And he, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't break any laws. Yeah, right? he just said a bunch of shit that scared your kid. And we can't. There's no way we could deal with that. So I don't know, but it was. 
you know, not 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 nearly as creepy as Miles, but it creeped me out when I was eleven or twelve. Sure, old I was. Yeah, I mean that's that's scary stuff. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go by myself anywhere for a while after that. No, and doubt. now here I am wandering around cities. Yeah, and like, Philadelphia, drunk off your ass. Yeah, creeping out little kids. Yeah, trying to pay pay it forward. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's amazing. You have any other? No, I think that's stories? it. I think that no, I have. We have one more. Okay. Um, and this one is from our, our dear friend, Diego Avila. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one's a recent one. It's very fairly recent. Yeah. Diego writes. It was March 2016. Our son was three months old and still waking up four to five times a night because of really bad acid reflux. My wife and I were sleep deprived, zombie-like humanoids who lived off coffee and people's sympathy. She thought she had the flu. Turns out, she was pregnant again. The end. <laughs> Poor Diego. <laughs> nah, he loves his kids. He does. But, uh, it's still scary. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they expected it. You yeah. know? Yeah. 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 Well, either way. Either but, way. Uh, Joys. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Yeah. So so let me ask you something. Please. Now, Six I, inches. Uh, okay. Um, I was going to... Based on my observations, I was going to say five and a half. But okay. oh, come on, Six, okay. how how, the, how far down do you push for the shaft? <laughs> well, you got to push up in a little bit too. Okay, okay. Um, there's always like a little little. We can move on. on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, like, given that you're a rational man, and, uh, you're rational. No, about rational, snakes. You're, you're rational. No, you're rational. Well, most of the time, I think. Most yeah. Of the time, yeah. So, what, is there anything that? of the traditional things that would scare someone. Is there anything that you actually have a specific fear about? So like not necessarily vampires and werewolves and, and things like that or things like that, but like ghosts or, you know, aliens. Is there, is there anything in that s- space that actually creeps you out? Um, as a child, maybe ghosts. Okay. You know, I lived in an old house that just creaked and popped all the time. Sure. But because, and I'll get to this a little bit in my next story, I watched so much true crime, macabre, like, yeah. murder shit. And because we lived in a row of houses out in the country off a highway that were regularly targeted by meth tweakers and, and burglaries, I was more afraid of people. Okay. And any any car door I heard in the middle of the night or any any knock at the door... Or any bump in the night, I thought was just Someone, a human. Someone. Yeah, and I stuck to this day. It's interesting. It's interesting because the story that I'm going to tell now is is very. Is this the one you're going to go out on? Is this your big one? This is not. This is not. Well, no, this isn't necessarily my big oh, one. Okay. Right. Um, so I'm going to preface this with 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 doing my best not to alienate anyone <laughs> uh, in the uh, in the listenership. Um, I'm just going to tell you what my life was in, in a nutshell. Um, so part of my growing up, my family was extremely religious and I don't mean this in like they went to church and, and were just, you know, your average believers. I mean, they were very, 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 very religious. You know, we weren't allowed to watch television, listen to the radio. If there was a song with drums in it, we could listen to it because that was satanic. Um, you know, we were in church five, six nights a week. Um, was not allowed to do really anything and very open-minded when it came to what I'm going to throw air quotes around the devil, uh, would use to harm someone. So be it, um, you know, the, the, you know, whether it was 
pop culture or media or whether it was, you know, aliens or demons as they, as they were referred to, um, everything was against us. And we always had to be vigilant to guard against this. Um, so my dad, for some reason, uh, was very curious and interested in like all these uh, alien abduction stories. He found it very uh, compelling to listen to. Now, does this violate his own beliefs that we're probably alone in the universe? No. Well, it, he never viewed aliens as being actual extraterrestrial beings, but... From another planet. Creatures, creatures of, of Satan. Satan. Okay. Right. Something from within the planet. Gotcha. Um, so, he was very fascinated by this and wanted to study up on it, but he, he would oftentimes force my sister and I to watch these documentaries about these alien abductions. And... Uh, so, like, that scarred me deeply as a child. Sure. Um, you know, just seeing all these stories about people getting abducted and these things probed into them and, you know, stuff stuck up their nose and their butts and all this stuff. And, mm. you know. Lots of butt stuff in the alien Lots of butt world. stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all these unexplained disappearances and lights in the sky and all this stuff. So, like, I was very aware of that sort of stuff mm. growing up. Uh, and there was this one time we were in sort of this area of Virginia more over toward the Troutdale area, you okay. know what that is. Okay, closer to Roanoke? Uh, yes. And we were on some uh, back back roads. No, this is, no that's Troutville. Yeah, right? yeah. So Troutdale is closer Grayson. to Grayson County. Grayson, North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we were on some, some back roads, some like really back roads, like two-track pig path gravel roads. Even more rural than here. Far more but, rural. Yeah like, yeah. like stuff that you see on, you know, American Pickers or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, the uh, the moonshiner place, you know, the, yeah. like that that remote, that remote. Like there were many times we would be driving back to there, and, and like after a heavy rain, we would, you know, there would be like a still that would wash yeah. wash oh, down yeah. into our uh, into our path that we'd have to navigate around. So anyway, we were driving out there, um, and now I was maybe four or five, so I don't have a vivid memory of this. I just have. I remember the uproar around it. You know, I can remember the energy of sure. the event, uh, but the specifics I don't remember. But my father retells the story as it being, we were driving and this light in the sky just kind of zooms in behind us and sort of follows us around this mountain path. Um, you know, just, just above the tree line, this bright light, you know, not a helicopter moving too fast and moving too, I guess, smoothly. Uh, and to silently to be a helicopter um, and just followed us all the way up this mountain down the other side. And then, you know, once we got kind of into a more populated area, it, it, it dissipated. Uh, but, you know, my father to this day swears that that actually happened. Hmm. Um, so like, that's the kind of thing that really creeped me out as a kid. And to be honest, it still kind of does because I feel like extraterrestrials, are kind of like the one thing that still, I guess, it stayed, stayed with me. I don't know. It's probably probably all that scarring as a kid, but it still just creeps me the fuck out. So you you still you you think that it is possible that aliens could come down and abduct? Here's the thing. Or I don't demons. Think, I, don't, I don't think that anything is impossible. I'm very open minded. Like I believe most things are possible. Probable is another sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like. Uh, I don't know. It's just the one thing that stuck with me through all that. Yeah. It was just getting 
spotlighted and sucked up into a ship. And I mean, I'm very fascinated by those types of things. I, like, I, I will watch well. a documentary on it. Yeah. And I like to have my, my you know, uh, rationality suspended for a minute and think about how yeah. how, how could this be? Yeah. yeah. Like, sus- you know, suspend the disbelief. Or what would it be and, like, you know, if I encountered that, you know? Right. And, and that's kind of a thrill to kind of think, yeah. of, you know. Even with ghosts, I mean, watch the, the this really stupid ghost hunter shows where they're yeah. in the house by themselves and they're and kind of yelling at the ghost to talk. You know, as, as campy and dumb, and especially the hosts themselves are usually the worst part of it. Yes. Um, a lot of the situations that they're in, like in the dark, you know, houses yeah. with all this history, like, I wouldn't fucking be in there at night, and I don't believe in ghosts. Right. It's just unnerving. It's so unnerving. Yeah, and that's part of our, and, you know, I think it's part of our, you know, um, history as humans, being in, in dark places and unfamiliar places, just bad for our survival. So, we don't like those places, naturally. Naturally. So, but anyway, that's that's one of my smaller stories, and that's just one element, I guess, of the uh, of of just take that context I gave at the beginning and hold on to that for my for my finale. So okay, yeah. So do you have one more then? I do have, I have uh, yeah, another one. Okay, so I'll go with my next one. Then, or my next last one. one. Yeah. So we're, we're we're winding down here, but are we winding up? Who knows? Who knows? You know? We're gonna we're gonna leave you just scared out of your minds. Yeah. So, <clears throat> girl. I uh, clear my throat okay. uh, festively. Uh, let me scroll up here. My, this one's a little long. Again, I wrote these down. This one's a little wordy. That's I smart. do apologize. But um, this one is one. This is a second-hand one uh, from my mother. Okay. Um, so in 1947, and I wrote this. I didn't, I didn't proofread it, so I hope it flows well. It might not. Okay. But it, so, so here we go. In 1947, when my mother was three years old, her, her little sister, three older brothers, mother, and her mother's closest siblings, and their kids... We're going to have a family get-together in an uncle's home just down the road. So, but big big numbers of the family. Bigger, you yeah. know, this is 1947. Family's very important. Families are bigger. Right. And, uh, you know, individual homes sometimes aren't aren't enough for, you know, uh, there's not, not, not a lot to do. You want to get together. You want right. to hang out. You know, this right. is a Friday night. So, uh, my grandfather, my mother's father, obviously, yeah. uh, was going to grab some groceries after work and then meet them there with a few items he picked up for the big evening. Again, it was Friday in early March, and the family was looking forward to the weekend of spending time together, and the kids were all excited, waiting for my grandfather to show up. My grandfather was a coal miner in Elbert, West Virginia. He and my grandmother were both Virginia natives, but had traveled to Elbert to find work, and of course, mines were sprinkled around the region, and they paid well. Uh, he was a handsome guy. I've seen pictures of him. Uh, he was 11 years older than my grandmother, and so they, he was 26, she was 15 when they got married. It's different times. Right. Uh, it was different times, but uh, both of them very intelligent people. And, um, again, she was just a teenager at the time when my grandfather uh, used to write letters to her from the mines he traveled to. My mom has some of those, and I've read them, and he's very, very well-written, very intelligent guy. Um, uh, he was very well-spoken and, by all accounts, a nice fella. Uh, it was a different time, though, and despite the age difference, again, I'm going to rehash this because I wrote it and then I said it, whatever. Uh, it was quite acceptable for a 26-year-old man and a 15-year-old woman to get married and start a family in the early 40s. They did that and had five kids in the span of seven years. So my grandfather, he was said to be a quiet man who loved to laugh, but never was the center of attention. He played guitar, but didn't enjoy listening to music. And there's a reason that I'm telling you this. It's going to seem out of place. But he, like I said, he played guitar, enjoyed listening to music, but uh, not as much as my grandmother did. And when the record player was on and loud, it was always my grandmother listening to it. So even when I knew my grandmother 50 years later, uh, she had stacks and stacks of records and tapes, neatly organized stacks, probably several hundred, if not at least a thousand, uh, records, tapes, CDs of all of her favorite musicians. Um, 
she even had uh, she'd welcome several bands into her stay with her home when they were on tour, and they would she would cook for them and they would play music for for her and the family. So she was pretty well known within like small circles of like especially gospel musicians and that kind sure. of thing. Big in the music. Uh, my grandfather, however, did not enjoy that as much. He wasn't so into the loud music. Did not protest my grandmother's love for turning the record player up loud and letting the music ring through the house. But uh, he would have never done it himself. So on March 7th, 1947, while my mother and her siblings are waiting for their father to come with groceries needed for this family cook-in, so to speak, mm. he never shows up. It's not long before another uncle, en route, again, it's a small community, comes to tell them that their home is actually on fire and my grandfather's truck is there. He suspected to be inside, and he was. It was a cold day in March. I looked it up. Lows of 17, highs of 40s, and in some places near there, there were still up to four inches of snow on the ground from a recent storm. The fireplace had been used in the house, of course. But it is not said that the, whether this started the fire or not, it did not seem to originate from the fireplace. The fire was isolated, and his body was found pinned behind the bed in the master bedroom. His wallet was found on the table, not on his body. The groceries he was said to have picked up were not to be found. This is 1947 in a poor community in a rural section of West Virginia. Once the fire was out and the body was found, it was immediately determined to be an accidental death by fire. Half of the house was burned, bedrooms, dining rooms, hallways, but not the kitchen or the living room, where the fireplace and the two where the fireplace and the ovens, two places where fire is most common, were not burned. The family accepted it, perhaps failing to come up with any other explanation at the time. My grandfather was buried and the family moved on. Raising five children on her own was tough, so not long after my grandfather my grandmother remarried, two or three years later. So my mother, who uh, I recently lost October twenty sixteen, uh, she had a love for true crime and murder mysteries, perhaps born from the curiosity of her father's demise. I always thought maybe that was what got her interested sure. in that kind of thing. Sure. So I stayed up late many summer nights uh, with her, uh, watching mur- you know old murder mysteries, murder films, documentaries, true crime documentaries with her. And then we'd cap off the night with a little Jay Leno to cleanse the palate. She loved to read books about true murders, those especially by Anne Roll, her favorite author. And she was a crime reporter and former police officer who famously worked alongside Ted Bundy before he was... Uh, you know, found to be a, a serial killer. Right. Um, so my mom was really into all this, and I had a, a big knowledge of serial killers well before anybody should have. <laughs> uh, so she had a fascination with the macabre, and, and that stayed well within the bounds of consuming the story. She was a very sweet lady and had no thrill in seeing others hurt. She was just fascinated by, by true crime. But she, she was great at telling stories because of it, often adding additional adjectives and ambience to the children's stories she would read to me as a kid. She was into acting out each voice and really making the story an act. And she was the one who told me about my father's mysterious death. So, I'm just saying logically, maybe she flared it up. I don't know. Okay. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Okay. Because there's very little documentation about what I, actually happened. Absolutely. Um, once that her own mother, uh, one that, um, she, okay. She was the one that told me about her father's mysterious death. One that her own mother and aunts and uncles told her to stop asking about. Told her it was a simple accident and that she needed to move on. Even 50, 60 years later after it happened, mm. nobody would talk about it. So the story doesn't end there. Uh, my mother said about once a year at their home, from the time she was about eight until she graduated and left home, that the the house would receive a phone call. And it seemed as though uh, only her or her little sister answered each time that this happened. There was a man on the other line that would never share his name, but he would always ask how my mother and her siblings, my mom's siblings, that were from my late grandfather were. He'd ask how my grandmother was. He would not inquire about how the newest two kids from the new marriage were, and he would me always abruptly hang up. He would always hang up when asked who it was, or when my mother asked if he would rather just talk to my grandmother. 
Years later, she started to wonder if that person could have been my grandfather. Which sounds like baloney. He died. His body was found and burned. But it is possible. He was identified by a wallet on the kitchen counter, not on the body. Mm. The body was burned beyond recognition. It was circumstantially identified using 1947's lack of teeth matching and other tests that could reveal more answers. More suspiciously, when my grandmother went to collect from his locker at the mines, when his supervisor unlocked it to let her clear it out, it was already empty. A theory could be that he faked his own death or placed another body in its place and burned the house down and fled, suspicious to say the least. Or was he murdered by an individual who still had the compassion for the family he left without a father, and so he called a check on them? Why leave the wallet and steal the groceries? The wallet was found without any money, but he could have just not had much. Lastly, when the uncle that spotted the burning house arrived, he ran in to attempt to save my grandfather and noticed the record player was blaring loud music, something my grandfather would not have done, especially since he had to be somewhere immediately afterward, but perhaps an intruder may have done it to hide the sounds of a sneaky predator. Was my grandfather murdered? Or was it a simple accident drowned in murky details? Who is the stranger who called my mother? Damn. So, yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, my mom would get really into telling that. So no I was like, doubt. you know, there's a lot of it for, you dramatic know, effect. dramatic effect. Mm. But I never came across that way. She had, she had a, she would tell it, you know, I would ask about it years later because her, she picked my interest sure. in, in the macabre. That's very interesting. I mean, the story would never change. And uh, I've looked up, I have his death certificate. It does say um, something to the effect of, you know, death by, you know, uh, fire or whatever. Right. Um, that's not the word. It's, But anyway, it's, uh, you know, the death certificate says he was burned pretty much alive. And I have yet to find. Another, another weird thing that I didn't write down was that um, no one would let my grandmother or her family see the newspaper from the next day. Huh. And uh, I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe it's just because, you know, you don't want to see it because there's pictures of the house burning in it. But yeah. at the same time, I've always wanted to look at it to see sure. yeah. what why, it says. What was... But it's really hard to find a newspaper from Albert, West Virginia, 1947. I've looked. Sure. I've called yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. West Virginia's Library of Congress to see if they have anything. And, you know, they, they say it might be on microfish, but you just have to go through a bunch of unlabeled ones to find it because they didn't keep track of it very well back then. Right. So it's still possible. I, I don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of it. I don't think we'll ever know if he died on accident. I mean, how would you die on accident? Yeah. Uh, you know, with a fire, I mean, you, you he was pinned behind a bed. Not in a place a fire would normally be, or started, or... The groceries he supposedly brought home were never found, but his wallet was left there, empty. Yeah. I mean, it's... I don't know. It's, it's all fishy. very... Uh, and the locker was cleaned out. I mean, there's probably... I mean, those are the those are the facts that my mother gives. There's right. probably Additional an equal facts. amount of facts that maybe lend more credence to the fact that it was him that I don't sure, know about. Sure. But still, I've always wondered about it. And, uh, you know, the fact that my mom gets to that call, I'm like, you know, could it have been my grandfather? Could he have been walking the streets even while I was alive? Because I missed him. Like, I didn't... I, you know, I was... I didn't, sure. You know, 40 years before I was born, this happened. So, crazy stuff, man. Very crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, you have any unsolved murders in your family? No like potentials. Not, not that I know of. Not that I know of. I, I, you know, lots of uh, just disconnected people is what my family is. Yeah, just, same. Yeah, just people that might as well be dead. They don't come around. But, right. Uh, right. But no, no mysterious circumstances. <laughs> no abductions. No missing people. Thankfully. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the grandfather being the most mysterious. That is quite mysterious. Yeah, man. I think you got one more. I do. I do have one more. Uh, it's, I'll try to build it up as much as I can in terms of context because, um, it, yeah. Okay. So 
as I said before, extremely, extremely, extremely religious uh, family. Um, we traveled to support these um, religious convictions my entire life until the time I was 20. So what does that mean? Uh, that means I didn't have a house. It means I lived in a converted bus. I did not have a normal school life, normal friends. I was in a new place every two weeks. What does it mean to support convictions? It means that my father believed that um, God wanted him to travel and speak. Okay. Um, continuously. And okay. that, that was the decision that was made. And obviously, me being eight, uh, had no say in, <laughs> in saying this. Um, so... Yeah, essentially for, for 17 years, I you know didn't have a, a house or anything. So very, very strong convictions. And I'm, I'm building that up not to like get, you know, weird sympathy or pity or like build that up as a curiosity, but just to give you context as to maybe why this is or isn't true. Okay. Okay. So uh, one year, I don't remember the year, honestly, it all kind of runs together. Um, we were in Lexington, South Carolina at a small church um, that was meeting in kind of like a converted house. Like it was not constructed as a, as a church at all. Um, it was constructed as a home and it was just sort of gutted and, and, and repurposed. Um, at the start of the week, um, because when we would go to a place like this, it would be for anywhere from, you know, three to 21 days that we would stay at a place like this and, and have meetings every evening, uh, church meetings. So on the first night of this conference, whatever you want to call it, I mean, there's maybe 30 people there, so it wasn't like a big deal. Um, th there was a local that arrived uh, at the meeting, um, and she, I, I don't know really how, she announced this to anyone, but she claimed that she was a witch. Okay. Um, which not wearing a hat or a broomstick, right? Just, you know, just just wearing normal clothes mm. didn't seem extremely odd. Uh, I thought she was odd afterward, mainly because of this label that that she was. She dressed in like a uh, dark garb or anything. Was no. she trying to protrude that she was no. dark? More than likely a Wiccan, so someone who is just okay. um, you know more earthy and a little more sure, you know, but still proclaims she was witchhood. Was she going for shock factor among the church people? No, kind of, I, okay. I don't think so. I think it was more along the lines of she was identifying that she had a belief system, but she was there anyway. I see. Okay. Um, she did have like a weird, uh, like, I remember seeing this. She had like a cross carved into her shin, mm -hmm. like on the side of her, her leg. She had like, it looked like it was just cut in, but it wasn't like upside down or anything. It was just a, a cross. Okay. Um, so could have just been a weird interaction with barbed wire, you know, very specific <laughs> angular, but yes, yes. Um, not ruling out that possibility. So she claimed to be a witch. And of course the, you know, this, this is once again, to reiterate, very, very, um, what's the right word, man, it's just completely lose me. Pious, mm. pious religious people. Um, pumpkin pious. Mm. Mm, delicious. Mm. Um, they immediately assumed, you know, that she was sent there by Satan to disrupt what we were planning to do. Okay. She was, she was there. She's like, just letting you know, just letting you know <laughs> I'm here to mess things up. Okay. That's so polite. Yeah. Very, very, very nice for the heads up. So anyway, 
a, a few days later, we're still at the same place, still having the nightly meetings. Um, several people in the congregation got sick. So fever, not feeling well, upset stomach, vomiting. Um, I don't remember what time of year it was. So I don't know if it was necessarily flu season or if there was something going around. But everyone immediately attributed that to being cursed by the witch. Of course. Right. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. So okay. everyone's like, okay, the witch is now taking active... And people believe this. This wasn't just no, like, this, I bet the witch. <laughs> no, no, this is, I mean, like, there was like an all-night... My shoes untied. Goddamn witch. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wish. Wish yeah. that was the case. Okay. But no, everyone believed this wholeheartedly. We, we would meet, like, after the service at, like, 10 o'clock at night and then, like, pray all night until dawn the next morning about this witch. Okay. So this is very serious. We're taking this very seriously. And literally all we have is just, like, an 18-year-old girl that said that she was a witch. That's all the proof that we had. But people are... Now, what were some of the other symptoms? People were just sick? Just sick. You know, That's just it. Not feeling well. Okay. And um, uh, did you yourself feel sick? I didn't. Um, Do you think a lot of people... It was sort of that hysteria, hysteria. vibe? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, in hindsight. Obviously, sure. in being 10 years old, I believed all of this. Yeah. 100%. Um, so, anyway, we, we lived there at the church during this time in our converted bus. And my mother fell sick. Now... It was, you know, she was feeling well, not, not, not feeling good at all. Um, so what happened, uh, one night is probably the strangest thing that, that I have been told happened. Okay. okay. So the, the way the night went is the, um, we had had service. We went back home. We had like a, a small meal afterward. We went back to the bus to go to bed. Um, my sister and I were sleeping in bunk beds. I was the bottom bunk. She was the top bunk. And then the bedroom for my parents was in the rear of the bus, in the very back. Um, several times that night, I awoke. Just not not sure why, but I woke up. Kind of had a, kind of a weird feeling. Probably because of, you know, everyone freaking out about this witch. Uh, probably just tired, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sleeping well because I was just exhausted, if that makes any sense. Um... And my sister had a couple of the same experiences where she would wake up and she felt like something or someone was watching her, mm-hmm. just feeling observed, not, you know, feeling very unsettled. Um, the next morning, um, wake up to my mom crying. She's, she's very distraught. Um, so long story, trying to cut it short here, but we meet up with some other people from the church and then my mother retells the story where she's awake, but not awake. It's almost like that. I don't don't know. I'm sure there's a term for it, but sort of like being in like this waking stasis where you can't really move, but you're awake. Like like a sleep paralysis, but you're, yeah. 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 Um, but you know, very cognizant of what's going on. Um, she, she has an episode of that and she feels like she's being watched. And she said that she sees this hooded figure standing over her uh, with like, the, I'm getting chills now just talking about it, but she sees this red figure. And she's telling you her. this. She's like, telling, you know, this is all truth. And everybody is, everyone's, I mean, everybody's on witnessing this. this. No one's witnessing or this. Or she's retelling this. She's retelling this. Okay, okay. Sees this hooded figure standing over her with like glowing red eyes um, and just sort of, you know, watches her and observes her. And is like basically holding her down, you know, with some sort of force or something. Uh, and just sort of being this menacing thing. 
Um, and that passes, I guess, at some point. I don't really know how. Uh, but when my dad gets up, she re- tells the story. He then leaves the bus, and as he's exiting the bus, I never saw this. This is completely unsubstantiated by me. But he claims that there were bipedal hoof prints leaving our bus, like in the sand in South Carolina. It's like, uh, you know, just a set of hooves that are bipedal walking away from hmm. what we lived in. Uh, and then, you know, the rest, you know, re- honestly, what happens next, I, I completely blacked out, I guess, completely suppressed it. Cause I have no idea how the weekend did when we left or what happened, but that was, uh, yeah, strangest thing that I was told was happening. Like I said, I did wake up a few times that night. It was probably because of just restlessness. Um, you know, now I, I completely attribute this to like a fever. You know, I don't believe that the hoof prints were actually there because, you know, I think my dad was probably just in a place where. How would he, he have was, known that they were bipedal? Is he a just, tracker? Uh, he I guess. Two I instead of four? Know. I don't know. I don't know if you can tell I, the difference. I don't know how you can tell the difference. Yeah. I, I was, mean, you probably can. I'm sure. I'm was, sure like someone would know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm not sure that, you know, necessarily that he was, he was qualified for that. But I, you know, once again, I, I took it at their word at the time. You know, now in hindsight, I, I really do believe it was just hysteria and, and fever that caused these things. Um, but that is what was told that happened in my home. So that's crazy, man. Creepy. So, uh, to tie it back, if you, I guess people don't know, it's, uh, the, the hooves are tied to Lucifer being right. almost like goat. Go- goats are very yeah. like associated with, you know, witches and Satanism and, and, uh, and Lucifer in general. So like that was the, the tie in. So, and you have no, no follow up memory to this witch. Nope. I have nothing. You just, so everything. So basically she, she comes, she says she's a witch. Everybody kind of, you know, tries to, yeah, uh, I guess make a religious shield around it by by praying, right? You know, hoping that yep. will resist the 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 witch. Yeah. People start getting sick, sick, and so that kind of confirms what they're doing is is like, oh, this, this is a witch, right? And then you're so you're, now it's a battle. Yes, and now yeah. every, now people are having episodes that are sort of confirming that you know things aren't right with everybody. Yes, and then uh, your mom has her experience. There's hooves leading yes. away from the thing. It's it's circumstantial, but I mean it's it's a lot of yeah. I don't know. It's uh. It's still eerie. It's I mean, very eerie. Like, I mean, I don't really believe any of that. Like, yeah. I don't believe any of that happened the way anyone thought it did. Right. A hundred percent. But it still gives me chills talking about sure. it. Sure. Because it's, you know. I mean, you kind of, you were there. You, you saw it as I lived a, through it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You saw it. Uh, you, you can confirm uh, a good deal of the story. Yes. I, I can confirm events around it. Sure. Like, the, the most interesting parts I can't, obviously, because they didn't happen to me. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. So when you went outside, were the hoof prints gone? I, I, yeah. I mean, there was nothing there for me to see. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right, man. Do you have anything else on that? I mean, I don't, I don't even have a follow-up. Yeah, I mean, I really don't. Like I said, I mean, to be to be honest, a lot, a lot of my, my childhood I, I suppressed for various reasons. Do your, um, do your parents still talk about that, that no. time? You bring it, do you say anything nope. about hoof prints? Like, I saw some hoof prints outside. What do you think about that? Like, you never <laughs> no, spook them with anything? No. Yeah, man. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think I think the scariest thing is really just the, the way you had to, to live your, your younger years. That's... That's a rough way to go. You turned out pretty fucking awesome, though. Yeah. So. You make some good stories. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's one of the better stories for sure. Yeah, man. 
That pretty much does it. I, I think uh, I think we had a lot of really good submissions. Yeah, it was a good episode. I, I enjoyed the diving into it. It was girthy. Was it girthy? Is it long? I don't know. It was long. I have no it's idea. It's dark in here. I can't see shit. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, well, This video, of course, will be up on YouTube. You can see us hanging out near a candle telling it. Jake's wearing a hoodie. Looks pretty spooky. I'm trying. Um, we're both wearing anthrax T-shirts. I don't know why we'd agreed on that. I, we didn't. I think we might. We probably even have spookier T-shirts. Serendipity. Serendipity it is. All right. Spook. Spooky. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, Miles, lock your doors. Yep. Bye, everybody.